Right, okay, Katie has got uh, three stories for us uh, this morning. Uh, The first one, sheesh, okay. Um, A woman has survived a shark attack in uh, Sydney Harbour. Let's get the details uh, from Katie. Katie, hello. Hello, hello, good morning. Morning. So this is the first attack in the harbour since 2009. Uh, What do we know about this and how is she? Well, luckily she's fine and she will be fine. Um, what actually happened was she was swimming sort of at dusk and that is not you know, the best time to swim. She was swimming just um, outside a little netted area uh, in a suburb called Elizabeth Bay. Not an unusual place to swim. I have to say I used to as a child there as well. And yeah, suddenly one of the neighbours heard this terrible scream blood-curdling screen and saw her trying to pull herself up onto the wall. Um, luckily as well, um, one, of the, one of the other neighbours was a vet and they came down and this lady, this vet, managed to apply a tourniquet, which they think saved the leg. So she's, yeah, she's a very, very lucky young lady. She's a avid kayaker in the late 20s. And she was taken to St. Vincent's Hospital, which is one of the big hospitals and the one in the area of an emergency department. But there are a couple of things that are emerging. Number one, it's just all over the media, sharks, sharks, where to swim, where not to swim. And the crazy thing is that shark attacks are actually not that common. Bull sharks, they're pretty sure it's a bull shark that attacked her. You do find them in Sydney Harbour. Great whites and tiger sharks are the other dangerous ones. And, yeah, fatalities from shark attacks are less than people would imagine. But, yeah, it's a harbour and people swim in it. Most of the beaches on the harbour or in the harbour have got um, netting, shark netting. But what also happened, which was quite, you know, sort of disconcerting, to begin with there was apparently a bit of a scuffle on the evening, a cameraman was trying to take footage of all the blood in the water and someone tried to stop him doing that. And then a day later, there was there were photos leaked. They went, yeah, onto the net um, of her mauled leg and the photos were taken in the hospital. And that by then brought up a whole privacy. Well, exactly, by whom? It was paramedic, as it turned out. Um, pretty horrific thing. You know, yeah, this paramedic took these pictures and yeah, put them out online. I hope they lose their job. That's absolutely outrageous. It is shocking. It is shocking. So, um, yeah, the hospitals launched an inquiry, but they do know who did it. And, um, yeah, this amazing young woman, look, I think at the moment she's obviously very, very happy to be alive and to have her legs saved because they say that if, you know, this woman, this vet didn't know what to do, um, the chances of that happening uh, would have been slim and also stopped her bleeding out. But yeah, it's people, people get scared, you know, Sarah Jane. It, it's terrible. You don't want this to happen. And um, yeah, I think anyone that's seen Jaws, uh, I can remember years ago seeing that and that made me a little bit scared about swimming. But, um, yeah, it's just people have got to be careful. You know, you don't, they say, don't swim at dawn, don't swim at dusk. And let's try to stick to populated places 
where you are swimming. So, um, yeah, lucky, lucky young lady, thankfully. In my mind's eye, I'm trying to, I'm trying to picture a, a, what a bull shark looks like. Are the bull sharks the one that we've got at two, two oceans? Are they? They look very. They look very similar to what I'm to what I'm looking at here. I, I don't know. I'm not a shark expert. Absolutely terrifying. But but also the the fact of yeah. I've, I've I'd sort of briefly seen this story popping up on on the Daily Mail and um, also talking about the fight that broke out after somebody tried to film the blood in the water and and then that's that was the scuffle that happened. The Daily Mail in its inimitable style uh, writing: Mr. Porter, whose family owns popular condom and lubricant business Four Seasons, played a key role in the rescue of Ms. O'Neill. How on earth is that relevant? That is absolutely... Yeah, um, a- what? Well done. Yes, Another, uh, yeah, more more excellent yeah. journalism from the Daily Mail. Well done. Thank you very much indeed for that. Let, let's, yeah, let's find the most sort of, you know, salacious kind of yeah, details that we can. The, the most salacious angle we can, ap- apart from the fact that a woman's nearly had her leg bitten off. Bizarre. Um, yeah. This next exactly. story is is a really interesting one, and I tell you why. So, I since becoming a mum, I found myself in a lot of mum groups on Facebook and things, mm. and the conversation around children and drinking is one that very often comes up, and I am stunned, appalled, amazed by the number of people, or the number of parents who are actively giving their children alcohol. And the argument that a lot of them is, I'd rather they were doing it under my roof. But why do they need to be doing it at all? Anyway, a study has shown that um, over a third of underage drinkers in Australia were in fact supplied alcohol by their parents. Mm, Exactly, exactly. And look, Sarah Jane, I'm a parent. My children were younger. I wasn't too sure how to handle it. Um, with hindsight, it's probably not as, yeah, look, it's, yeah, drinking culture, South Africa, Australia, it, it is what it is. And that's no excuse. But, yeah, children do sort of model themselves in a way on their parents. And um, it's a really hard one. It really is a hard one. And the thing is that I used to try to say to mum, you don't know what your makeup is and you know some people can have one drink and never touch another one and others can't yeah but yeah this parental thing here because you know they're concerned obviously about drinking they're concerned about drinking here starting at younger ages interestingly enough the number of underage drinkers is dropping but alcohol related deaths are not in the general population and now they found that, you know, they did the survey and um, or pretty detailed study, actually, and found that, yeah, the majority of young underage drinkers were given alcohol by their parents. And, you know, one, one of the things, Sarah Jane, is they think that um, people believe that that whole Mediterranean way. Of, yeah, know, I was going to say. Small quantities of yeah. So I was going to say, a friend of mine who, who funnily enough, turned out is, is a sommelier, um, it, is French, and they were th- that very French thing of having a glass of wine as a child mm. with a meal, um, and nobody could possibly say today that this person has a problem with that, with alcohol. He works in the industry, is a you know is is in fact the top sommelier in, in the country, um, and. 
I, I get it, but I wonder if it's because I've got a bias because of my own experiences of, of alcoholism and, mm. and it being in, in the family that it makes me go, oh, no, don't do that. And, and I see that, um, that there was another thing that, you know, parents believed, as I just said, that has, has been my experience in these mom groups where they believe that if they are providing the alcohol, then somehow it provides mm. an element of safety. Con- converse to a lot of our introduction to alcohol, which was, you know, persuading some dodgy dude down at the local offy off license as we call it in, in the UK yeah. um, to you know to buy us some terrible cider and then we drink it out of a paper bag in the park um, and, and the idea of you know introducing your children to alcohol in a wine glass at the dinner table seems preferable to the other option I don't know it doesn't sit right with me what are your it's thoughts, difficult folks? One, it is a difficult one. Um, it, it's not our Sunday conundrum today, but funnily enough, it actually um, we had actually thought about doing a Sunday conundrum on it, but I'll throw it out there anyway just as a conversation uh, point this morning. Folks, thoughts about um, providing um, your kids with alcohol and, and, and uh, their, their first tipple uh, happening under your roof? What are your thoughts on that? Maybe it's something you did and you would do it again. Um, or maybe you did it and it backfired. Um, I think, you know, it's one thing it's one thing as the parent to provide the alcohol right if you're going to be the person that's providing the alcohol but i've also heard stories where they where friends are going to other people's houses and other parents yeah. like the cool parents of which i will never be one i can tell you that now um the cool parents are providing alcohol to other people's children um no don't do that. No, look, it's, it, and, and look, and I'm, I'm not, you know, speaking as a paragon of virtue, no way. And but it's also too, you know, this conversation has come up often, and yeah, the French, well, they're not binge drinkers. True, you know the way the Aussies can be, and and the Brits, um, and the Brits. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's not excusing anything, but it's just a different cultural makeup. Um, and yeah, binge drinking is a, it's a huge problem, uh, as, yeah, as you well know. And, um, yeah, people that live on the continent do see the, the Brits, not, I'm not necessarily using just the Brits, but, you know, on their stag nights and such things. And yeah, look, it, it is a problem. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, they've concluded with one of these professors, he said, you know, we've just got to model to children that you can have a good time without alcohol without alcohol it's mm. a really oh it's gonna make it's a good Sunday conundrum. I'm wondering I'm wondering if we make this mm. a Sunday conundrum now because uh, it's such a good one. Uh, you know what would be interesting, Katie? And I don't know if a study would even be able to do this, or maybe one's even been done. Is to is to fast forward ten fifteen years, and and have a look at the children or now adults, who were introduced to alcohol in this way versus the children who were like me, you know, getting some dodgy bloke to Mm. um, buy them a bottle of beer or whatever it might be at the local off-licence and see of those two groups where the main problematic drinkers lie. Because it's all very well for me to sit up here on my high horse and say, it's outrageous, you shouldn't be giving children alcohol. But actually, maybe the evidence suggests that if children are introduced to alcohol and drinking alcohol, in, like you say, modelled in that way, um, that it's actually better for them. So what do I know? Uh, but I'd love to hear from you folks if you have, a, have an opinion on this one. Um, kids and alcohol. There's also the other factor for me, um, and call me a bit of a goody two-shoes, but it's... Mm, 
it's it's against the law, isn't it? So it's oh, it's yeah, against the law exactly. for them to. Although it's against the law for for children or people under the age of eighteen to buy alcohol. I don't actually know what the law says about consumption, Vicky. Maybe you can check for us because it's you know again about to jump onto my high horse and say, well, it's against the law. Maybe. It yeah. isn't. Maybe it's the purchase of. So let me let's let's let me get, at least get my facts right. Um, folks, give us a call on 021-446-0567 if you've got an opinion on this. Um, giving underage kids. Um, when I say underage, I think the study. In fact, is there are there details of how old the children were? Let's see. Um, yeah. At twelve yeah, to seventeen. And, twelve yeah. to seventeen. Um, yeah, seventeen and. Yeah. Okay. They were looking at, yeah, it was between, it was high school, early high school. Um, I know that 17 was the upper limit, and right. I'm pretty sure it was 12. Yeah, 12 okay. to 17. Okay, That's so we're not, talking, yeah. we're not talking five-year-olds here, you know. But, but still, 12, no, 12 no. is young. 12 is young. It I is. tell you what, I remember the first time I ever got, I must be careful about this, because um, it is Sunday morning at half past seven. But I do remember the first time I ever got drunk, and I was 13 years old. Um, and and I uh, uh, we'd just come back from a holiday to go and visit some relatives in Canada, and my next-door neighbour, this is long-winded, my next-door neighbour, mm. um, we lived on a farm. My next-door neighbour was celebrating her 16th birthday, uh, and they used our barn to have a barn dance. Can you imagine a barn dance? And I was sneaking booze. I mean, they should the the, the red light should have been flashing then as a sort of future projector of, of where SJ would end up. But um, I do remember that. But I had, yeah, my parents were not letting us have a tipple. <laughs> Defin- definitely not. Yeah. I'd love to and, hear and folks' I grew thoughts. up in a house where, where there was no alcohol. They just didn't. Well, Interesting. You know, um, R.I.P. my late mother. But, um, yeah, she... I, I did find out subsequently that yeah, her little vodka bottle was in the freezer. But you know, she's she's from Finland. It's kind of like milk there. Not that excuses it, but yeah, there was no alcohol and um, yeah, no sort of drinking. So I kind of went you know out to university, yeah, like a bit of a sort of um, naive, <laughs> naive or Naomi naive. But um, look, it is an interesting one, and I think it's you know we want to try to protect. Yeah, young, you know, young children. How do you do it? It's a big question. It's you know. So I, uh, well, well, my kids won't don't see that because we don't have alcohol in our, in, in our house. Um, oh, that. L- let me not tell a lie. I've got three bottles of wine that have sat on my that people have innocently gifted me, not realizing that I'm a teetotaler. Mm. Um, and, and at the moment, well, they were being used as bookends for my recipe books that never get opened. Yeah. Um, and then, funnily enough, in fact, Kogetsu Sajani came around to my house yesterday, um, and he said. Is anyone having those? Because he knows I'm not going to have them. So he took two of them. So now there's 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 lesser alcohol in my house. Uh, but yeah, I, I wonder when you grow up in a house where there is no alcohol, what does your relationship become? But again, I guess it's yeah. about the narrative, isn't it? It's about the narrative. We must go to your last story very, very, very quickly, Katie. I'm so sorry to rush you. Um, birds dropping from the skies. What and who yeah. and why? Yeah, I was quite disturbed by this. Um not surprising, but yeah, it's um, so it was in northern New South Wales, Grafton, and yeah, several hundred or few hundred um, rainbow lorikeets fell from the sky. They are beautiful birds. They're one of those beautiful coloured birds that we have here in Australia. 
And apparently it's something that happens, it's seasonal, and they literally become paralyzed and they drop from the sky. And people have been looking, well, experts have been looking into it. They call it um, lorikeet paralysis syndrome, but they still don't know the cause. They're thinking that it might have something to do with, yeah, something that they ingest, maybe some fermentation of fruit at particular times of the year. They're not too sure if it's the weather. But now um, there are calls out to people to, yeah, try to, if they do find these birds, obviously to take them into some place where they can be helped. But, um, yeah, just to see what their diet is and such things. So I didn't realise it, it was first identified in 2010. So, yeah, quite a little sad That's thing. That's sad, isn't it? Oh, and they are the most beautiful little birds. Oh, they are absolutely they are. glorious. How sad. Katie, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Three corkers uh, story-wise for us today. Much appreciated. We'll chat to you again next week. Katie McDonald joins us every Sunday morning uh, to bring us the the latest news from uh, Down Under and Surrounds.